0: I have been talking about these related issues now for literally years. And uh, critical race theory stuff really started ramping up, for me at least. I started paying attention to it around 2019, 2020. And, it, and I didn't even know what to call it at that time. Um, wokeism. I don't even know if that was around at the time. But the con- connecting all of these dots... I'm forever indebted to a fellow named James Lindsay, um, because, uh, and he's got a, a, his website called New Discourses, and I've talked about him before. Um, he, he, along with Peter Bogosian, Helen Pluckrose, uh, these were academics. He was a math guy, and they started seeing these, uh, he's, they started seeing the production of crap from inside the soft sciences, and they were looking around in their universities and they were, you know, de- they were looking at their at their colleagues, looking at the policies coming down from the administration and stuff. And they started reading uh, some of the um, academic journals and such, the you know, supposedly peer reviewed stuff, which, by the way, this is another um, an indictment on the entire industry. If these things were actually peer reviewed, they would have caught this woman's plagiarism. But it tells me nobody was ever actually reading this stuff, right? They weren't. They weren't doing deep dives on this research. They were just cranking stuff out. I mean, well, granted, Claudine Gay didn't crank out a whole lot of stuff, but they just cranked this garbage out. And so, uh, James Lindsay and his uh, his two friends and colleagues, they went about creating fake studies and putting them out to publications to get published. And they were successful. It it, it was a troll job, but it proved that these publications are not serious and the research is not serious because people could literally make up the most asinine things and get them published as long as you used the right code words. Right. For the for the people on the left, it's the it's the iron law of woke projection, which is they are guilty of that which they accuse you. And when they were running up and down, screaming all during the Trump administration about dog whistles here and there and everywhere, and they could hear all of the the dog whistles and they knew what they meant. They could decode all of the code when, in fact, they were the ones that had constructed this entire ideology a religion using incantations. We saw it manifest with the branch COVIDians during the pandemic. That's why. That's why I say the science and data. Right. That's the whole point. Is that it's an incantation to the god, whatever that god is. Which yeah, it's government. <laughs> Spoiler alert. That's Hegel. Um. Anyway, the 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 uh, the explanation for why all of these things somehow all of these issues attract the same people. Almost like in the same costumes, right? I used to mock them as temporary anarchists. They're LARPers, which is uh, live action role playing, L A R P, LARPers. Um, These were usually like in the past, these were the guys that you would see dressed as wizards in the public park, you know, doing coordinated, uh, you know, spell casting that only they could see, apparently. Um, Live action role players. Temporary anarchists, they're Marxists, they're collectivists, right? They're not actually for anarchy. They say they are, or they pretend they are, but what they are actually is shock troops. They are, they're chaos agents. They want to disrupt, like we saw at the airports, right? The blocking of the airports and such, and they do that in order to make people long for order. And then along can come one of their buddies, somebody who is down with their struggle, who is down with la revolution, and they then fall uh, they then offer the uh uh the solution. And people are so uh happy to get the chaos tamped down that they agree to the the cure, which is these very collectivists grabbing more and more power. That's why they're not actually anarchists. They're temporary anarchists because at some point they anticipate being in the party, right? They're going to be in the party elite, calling the shots. And what the funny thing is, everybody thinks that they're part of the leadership when, in fact, you're you're not. You're going to be either, uh, you know, going off to the glue factory, like the horse in Animal Farm, uh, or uh, you're just going to be, you know, uh, excommunicated, like Snowball, right, um, or Trotsky. You get kicked out, or Lined up against the wall and shot, as all good collectivist societies do. So that's why when we see these uh, protests uh, for pro-Palestine, which, by the way, uh, those uh, the Palestinian Liberation Front, right? And I went over this a couple of weeks ago too. They have their roots in what liberation theology, decolonization, Marxism, right? That's the intersection. That is the nexus of all of these factions it's why they all wear the same clothes because they are the same people they're engaging in the same sort of activism for the same purpose which is to what critique as in critical studies to critique the western society and to deconstruct imperialism western imperialism and capitalism that's always the point always that's why when you like what do we hear about the black lives matter The very beginning was there any was a a surprise that it was a focus on deconstructing various you know tools of oppression quote-unquote of white supremacy quote-unquote things like you know the nuclear family because apparently that's something that only white people have no of course not that's what humans have had from the very beginning so that brings us to the uh unc chapel hill mitch called in last hour And uh, talked about North Carolina at Chapel Hill having a bit of a problem uh, with this, uh, with the anti-Semitism, or as Mitch called it, anti-human, which that is what Marxism is. It's denying intrinsic value in the human individual. That's why it has a body count of like 100 to 150 million people. Because it doesn't care. The collective supersedes the individual. That means that the collective has more value. Which mean, right, which means that the individual doesn't. What will it take? This is, by the way, from uh, Peter Reitzes over at algeminer.com, the Algeminer. I don't know what it means. I think it's German. It sounds German. It sounds like a uh, like some sort of uh, German, I don't know,, uh, like growth on water. Or, oh, somebody who collects and harvests the, stu- the, the film uh, on, on top of water or underneath the water, too. Algae miner. That's what it sounds like. Anyway, what will it take for the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill to suspend the Students for Justice in Palestine chapter, or the UNC-SJP? One day after Hamas killed 1,200 Israelis, took 240 hostages... And raped and tortured many others on October 7th, UNC SJP proclaimed on social media the next day, quote, it is our moral obligation to be in solidarity with the dispossessed no matter the pathway to liberation they choose. This includes violence. Right. <clears throat> this is why I say, yeah, I, I always ask this question. Various topics. What's the limiting principle? Right? That's how you test certain theories and assertions. What is the limiting principle when you say this? And we know, by the way, from deconsolid or deconsol from uh, decolonization theory, <clears throat> what's his name, Fanon, we know that there isn't any. There's literally nothing that the quote oppressed can do that would be beyond the bounds of acceptability. The stories that I have read that I have heard, that I have watched, about what happened on October 7th, most of them I have not brought to air. Because people don't, don't know what to do with this information. Mitch called it, the caller at the last hour, he called them unspeakable acts. And it's literally that. They are unspeakable. But they're important to know. And so I constantly wrestle with... How much detail do I go into and I know people can go find this stuff on their own but it's way easier for your for your psychological health your mental health you know and also to protect our FCC license it's it's um it's way easier to just say you know oh yeah they did some bad stuff but I'm not sure a lot of people realize the true level of evil that that was exacted upon people uh, on October 7th and that's why I have I have absolute moral clarity on this. I reject the Marxism. I reject anything that, um, whatever philosophy you want to call it, whatever arguments you want to dress this up as, you, you, you cannot make that right. You cannot make these things right. I got a message here from Mike. He says, Pete, do you remember that quote from Jesse Helms? Quote, we don't need to build a zoo in North Carolina, just put a fence around Chapel Hill. <laughs> Having attended UNC Chapel Hill, I took umbrage when he said it, but now I understand. <laughs> um, over at the Algeminer, Minor, Peter Reitzes talking about the uh, UNC SJP, which is the Students for Justice in Palestine ch- chapter, and uh, he talks about, or he quotes them um, and their social media account as proclaiming. Um, A moral obligation to be in solidarity with the dispossessed, no matter the pathway to liberation they choose to take, which includes violence. The uh, October 12th flyer that they put out for their Day of Resistance protest on campus, the event flyer, celebrated terrorism by featuring a Hamas paraglider and said, all of us Hamas. Um... Given that UNC is now being probed by the federal government for its treatment of the Jewish community, it seems like a prudent time for the school to take action against SJP for violating university policies. Because there is no doubt that the flyer represents a celebration of violence and murder. Before the rally, the SJP publicly, quote, recommended protesters wear face coverings to the outdoor event, even though campus policy states masks may not be worn. To conceal identity Uh, SJP posted on social media that masks are required for all events going forward a UNC student said uh, told the reporter that Jewish students who were silently counter protesting the October 12th event were approached by two masked activists who allegedly said let's fight and then brandished knives an Israeli professor was pushed down a flight of stairs September 2023, UNC provided SJP, its chapter there, with almost $1,400 in funding. Okay, so taxpayers, tuition payers are footing the bill for this organization to behave like this. Masking violates state statute as well as university policy. The statute forbids individuals in North Carolina from wearing masks or other coverings to conceal the identity of the wearer and also intimidation, which is what they were doing, too, which, of course, that's part of the the LARPing. Right. The Department of Education's Office for Civil Rights has opened uh, an investigation to see if the school responded to the alleged harassment of students based on national origin in a manner consistent with Title VI requirements. A group of more than a 100 UNC Keenan flagler Business School graduates, students, and professors sent an email to the Dean, Mary Margaret Frank, asking that the business school not be used by SJP or any other UNC-affiliated groups that have engaged in violent anti-Semitic rhetoric on campus. SJP boasted on social media about purposely disrupting the campus. Uh, back on Friday, November 17th, a group of about 40 members of SJP and allied, or, I mean, so we're talking about 40 people, right? And they get coddled. 40 people um, occupied the South Building for a total of three hours, shutting down administrative operations for the day. A video was taken from the shutdown, and it shows masked activists chanting, Intifada, Intifada, long live the Intifada which, of course, is the uprising against the oppressors and murder all the Jews. When walking on UNC's campus, he says, I have personally seen chalkings calling for intifada as well as from the river to the sea, which Jews understand as calls for violence and genocide, because they are. Another chalking says long live the PFLP, which is the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, which, by the way, the U.S. designated as a terrorist group. Right, so you have the open calls for support for a terrorist organization. The SJP chapter at Rutgers was recently suspended for disruptive or disorderly conduct and for occupying the business school. Four or more SJP chapters have been suspended nationwide since October 7th. He says it's time for UNC to hold SJP chapter accountable for inciting violence. And this seems like it seems like a pretty easy thing to do here. Oh, and maybe, maybe revoke any student visas of the people involved. If they're if they're here on a student visa, kick them out. Yeah, you have no you have no constitutional right to be in this country. You do not. You do not have a right to get a student visa. You do not have a right to come into America and call for the murder of people and the overthrow of the government and stuff. You're that. Because that's what enemies do. And we are under no obligation to take in enemies. It's very clear. Again, these these things are very clear for me. All right, do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply. camping and hiking supplies even because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Um I have uh I have some bad news. Bad news everybody. The Chaz Chop is no more. A moment of silence for... Well, actually, it's for the Chaz Chop Garden. The Chaz Chop Garden is no more. Do you remember the Chaz Chop? It started off as the Chaz. And then it it, it changed its name. uh, Much like the AP, stealth editing a piece uh, on uh, scalping by white colonists. Um, they, uh, They stealth edited themselves to the chop. This was a neighborhood in Seattle, right, called Capitol Hill. And there is a park at Capitol Hill. And they took over the park. And they took over some of the streets around Capitol Hill or in Capitol Hill. And they called it the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, the CHAZ. And they declared their independence from America. An actual true insurrection, right? They overthrew. The local government, you know, much like Democrats did out in Wilmington, uh, back in the late 1800s, murdering a bunch of blacks and Republicans who had uh, won office. So uh, the Chaz takes over, and uh, they're going to do it. They're going to do it right. They're going to show everybody what racial collectivist ideology does. And uh, they then uh, they rename themselves then the Chopped. Oh, sorry, the Chop Chopped is actually a TV show. Also, I believe, a uh, pretty good um, fast food salad joint. You can get salads done at Chopped. Anyway, the uh, Capitol Hill Occupied Protest, the Chop. And so everybody just started calling it the Chaz Chop, mainly because it's fun to say. And Chaz was such a funny name. Like, of all the names to take, you called it the Autonomous Zone. So now it's the Chaz, right? Right. And that doesn't sound very tough. I'm sorry, but it just doesn't. I'm not trying to mock anybody who goes by the name Chaz. Anyway, so the Chaz Chop. It was supposed to be a living example of how woke anarchists could create a utopia by simply removing the fascist element from a few square blocks. The fascist element being, of course, the Seattle PD. This was back in... Twenty twenty. This was initially the police chief and the city complied. They pulled out, uh, surrendered. They pulled out of the precinct and effectively left a few square blocks of the city with no law enforcement. John Sexton at HotAir.com. He writes that Chaz residents, because like there were people that were living there. It was, it's a whole neighborhood. And there were people that were living there. Um, not too thrilled with it. But the people inside the little autonomous zone, their own little country of Chaz Chop, um, they came up with a list of demands to the city, um, which included a 50% cut to the police budget. And at the time, they got all sorts of glowing reviews. Democrats and media, but I repeat myself, just fawned all over these people. Look at them, they're doing it right vox.com leftist publication among other left-wing outlets wrote about the chas chop as a blossoming communist paradise uh, because it's always about what will be built it's never about the conditions you're living in it's always about what will be built just eyes you know on the horizon just forward just forward just forward oh right off the cliff oh right into the ditch of the mass grave that's communism okay so chas chop has, this is what Vox wrote back in 2020. Chaz has since evolved further into a center of peaceful protest, free political speech, co-ops, and community gardens. I don't know why I'm reading this with kind of a British accent either. Protesters have invited the city's houseless population, who had been subject to a mass clearing of tent communities throughout the city, to come stay in the neighborhood. Right, So they took over the Chaz shop, and then they invited the People experiencing houselessness um, to come on in. They held movie nights where, of course, they played movies like Mississippi Burning. They even did an impromptu dodgeball game. Oh my gosh, what a lark. Carla is quoted, didn't give her last name. Carla said, People are smoking weed, just having normal conversations, and then, you know, some people standing around with a megaphone talking about Marxism and the zip. Wait, what? Oh, talking about Marxism. Hmm. You don't say the zone where hundreds of people can be found on any given day is largely leaderless with decisions often being made by vote. But but volunteers, by the way, this was I I witnessed this very same thing back in 2012 with the Occupy Wall Street or Occupy Charlotte. I was out there covering the Occupy Charlotte folks every Saturday. They did this same sort of thing with their what they call the People's uh, Congress or something. They stand around in a mob and. And then they're like, my chick, and they scream it out. And, you know, I guess if you're like, if, 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 you, do, if you have a very weak voice, I guess you don't get to participate very well. Um, and then people would say stuff, and then others would all chant it together to amplify it, you know, whatever. Because we don't have any leaders. Mm-hmm. Sure you don't. Um, The zone, hundreds of people can be found on any given day, Uh, volunteers stepped in, uh, doing everything from redistributing food uh, to cleaning up garbage in the area. The vibe there is pretty relaxed, said Carla. Yet, right-wing media has painted Chaz as some kind of war zone, portraying the tiny neighborhood as if it were forcibly seceding from the U.S. I know, it sounded kind of pouncy to me, too. There is no hint of the violence suggested by the likes of Fox News, though. And then they created the Black Lives Matter Community Garden. And they went on to say that the goal is to eventually feed anyone who needs food and remind people of how the world around them can change after one small basil plant goes into the ground. That story got published on June 16th by Vox.com. Within a week, three people were murdered in Chess over a 48-hour period. A 19-year-old, a 33-year-old, and a 17-year-old. Pressure had been, uh, has been building on political leaders from some residents and workers on Capitol Hill who expressed frustration at the weekend's violence and lack of action by city officials. Some said they believed the original intent of the protests to end institutional racism at the hands of government and specifically the police had been hijacked by what one woman called, quote, the activism industry. The activism industry. Funded by whom? Leftist billionaires. Soros is one of them, yes. You know who else has been funding a whole bunch of uh, leftist uh, uh, organizations is um, Warren Buffett. Saw that one today at an organization called Capital Research. Terry McLean. Uh, said she has supported the protest and the message, but what she sees now is people who are homeless and people with mental illness living in lawlessness. Victoria Beach, who lives... Wait, so wait a minute. All right, so hang on a second. So a leaderless mob descended into lawlessness. So I, the first question, now i got to ask, did we stop teaching Lord of the Flies in school? Did we stop teaching that? It seems like we did. <laughs> it seems like we did. Going over the story at HotAir.com by John Sexton over the demise of the Chaz Chop in Seattle. Well, the Chaz Chop Garden. It was at a uh, park called the Cal Anderson Garden. And I saw, I watched a couple of videos of uh, a journalist. I think his name is Cho, C-H-O-E. His last name is Cho. And he was walking through uh, like a week ago or something. And this place, it's a wreck. It's just a wreck. You got graffiti over the, there's like two little buildings that are right there for like uh, storage of, uh, you know, public works, signs and cones and stuff like that. Um, and I think there's a restroom, but they got that locked down now because you can imagine what was going on in there. The The, the buildings are covered in graffiti, even though we're supposed to believe all of these collectivist artists, you know, were there for the good of all and to raise awareness, yet they graffitied the thing up so it just looks like garbage and they graffitied it with uh they've analyzed it with you know Palestine stuff and all of this which again like what what's the connection there with you know r- police reform in America but it's not very big the entire garden I don't know maybe 50 feet by 50 feet wide it's not a lot they apparently they they apparently suck as much at governing as they do gardening, right? So Victoria Beach, who lives near the chop, is the chair of the Seattle Police Department African-American Community Advisory Council, which works with the police on reform issues. And she says, quote, I think it's going to become more dangerous. I hate to say it, but I think they need to bring the police back. I really do. She said that three years ago, and eventually the city got sued by a group of businesses Um, who argued that they had been abandoned and had suffered damages as a result of the lawless hellscape that the Marxists created there. Police did return, and eventually the area was cleaned up, but the Black Lives Matter garden remained for years, for three years, a symbol of the Chaz Chop experiment. Back in October, the city announced it wanted to remove it and restore the park and use the site for holding activities. Which is what it was literally designed for, like architecturally, literally designed to hold activities for the community. Uh, But the activists descended and they stopped them in their tracks. They bragged, Marcus Henderson with Black Star Farmers, a coalition working towards land reclamation and food sovereignty. (laughs) These people just—I swear—they just make up a whole bunch of words and stick them together and create. that's just these new categories, you know. Um, the victory, though, was not long-lived. They showed up at the middle of the night, and they, uh, they rousted the, the the people experiencing houselessness. They rousted them out of there, and then they plowed the fields, and they started uh, their and they put up gates all around it. Uh, Seattle Park spokesperson Rachel Shulkin said that the garden was being removed due to, quote, public health and public safety issues and the need for maintenance, including reseeding the area and turf restoration. The city also removed tent encampments from the park. That is the 76th time it has done so in one year. Seven, more than once a week, they're averaging having to clear this, th- these encampments. In recent months, the temporary garden has created unsafe conditions for all park users, including the vandalism of the public bathrooms, public drug use, unauthorized camping, and a significant rodent problem, along with other issues. There is a reason why humans ordered ourselves into societies. There is a reason why we instituted local governments. Right? These public works, these Public sanitary laws. Like, there's a reason for these things. The city was smart about this, Sexton writes, and released a series of quotes in their announcement from black leaders all agreeing with the city's decision to remove the garden. They've got, and I have, it is a three-page, it's a three-page statement from the city, and it has statements from a council member-elect, Joy Hollingsworth, uh, who says it's important that we prioritize sanitary conditions within the shared public spaces so the neighborhoods can continue to flourish. Katrina Johnson, who apparently had a cousin who was killed by police, said, I wasn't even aware there was a garden in remembrance of the victims, which makes me wonder uh, if this garden is truly reflective of impacted families. To make a garden without reaching out to the families or even letting them know, uh, that it tells me that this is not about our loved ones, but about folks hijacking the movement and trying to make a name for themselves off of our pain and that is simply not okay. Then there's oops sorry there is this from Mariah Rose Jones, AKOs. Oh, yeah, she's with the Brown Girl Farmer LLC. She's a, she's 20 years old um and she's a farmer And she's uh, saying that she's navigating the fields of the Black Lives Matter Memorial Garden as the brown girl farmer has been a complex journey. Sadly, each attempt to immerse myself in farming activities has been overshadowed by the pervasive drug activity within the space. For someone of color like me, this memorial garden seems far from representing the essence of farming and agriculture. Brion Scott, another community farmer, uh, dis- uh with the city's policy as to Jim Buchanan a ki- from King County Equity Now. Daryl Powell, the president of the Seattle King County NAACP. He said this was supposed to be a memorial to the black lives that have been lost. The garden is anything but that. Instead, it's another example of white co-opting. The black community is unaware of the existence of this garden, and it does not represent in any meaningful sense the vast number of black lives extinguished by police violence. This is the city put this out, right? The the people who pay the city police, they put out all of these statements in defense of their, uh, their actions here to finally clean up this uh, this camp. They got another family of another police victim who went right after Black Star Farmers. Abstract agenda of anti-capitalism, food sustainability, land stewardship, U.S. neoliberal free trade policies, blah, 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 blah. These efforts are not centered on the lived experiences of impacted families and our loved ones' fatal encounter with police. So the BLM Garden is gone. And with it, one of the last vestiges of the failed experiment, known as the Chaz Chop, says John Sexton. I would just point out here, a real Chaz Chop has never been tried. Okay, I think, like that was they 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 had launched it. They were on their way to Utopia, but real Chaz Chop gardens have never been tried.